0: It was uh, February of 2012 when my mother received her uh, diagnosis that she had Alzheimer's. And uh, we had noticed a kind of slide, uh, but uh, it was accelerating rapidly. And one of the things we decided was we were going to put out word um, to everyone we could find who she and dad had taken in. And we were gonna have a party, right? Her thing was, I want to see you all while I remember you. So the calls went out. Uh, one of them was to a young man who lives in Qatar now, which is this tiny little country right off of Saudi Arabia. My family took him in when I was five, and uh, he moved back home some point when I was in high school, and I, I hadn't really seen him since then. Uh, calls went out to Texas, to Mexico. Uh, Kansas. I don't know. Uh, But all over the place, wherever there was a person my mom and dad had took in, we made the call. And when we got to the end of June of that year, boom, they showed up. Two days of party. Yeah. Uh, We killed a a hog uh, and and we got after it, except the Muslim uh, brother did not. Eat the hog. Uh, But we were together and it was two days of insane joy. It really was. One of the things I never really thought about until Monday of last week when I read our our first reading for today, Uh, and I'd never really caught this, but God's abject joy at what's coming, yeah? And, and, and it made me think of this, that in the months getting closer and closer to that party, our emails went from practical, you know, who's bringing the salad, yeah? Nobody, we're from Montrose, yeah? That was funny, like if you were from, like people bring salad and we look at it while we take meat, uh, but either way, it was the, can you believe we're doing this? It's gonna happen. Those emails move from the practical to the, I can't believe we're doing this. It's going to happen. And there was such joy, not just in the day, but in waiting for the day. Does this make sense? Yeah. Um, That's our first reading. And I never really saw that side of God before. But a God who says, heaven's coming. And and I can't wait till we're all together again. No more wounds, no more darkness, just light and love. Can you accept that joy today? That there's nothing you want more than he wants you. There's nothing you want more than he wants to be with you and wants us together in the home he made for us. That's the good stuff. And for us, that day was so cool. Like, I just showed Dad after the 10. He was like, oh my gosh. And we just stared at this picture. And it's my mom and dad in the middle of our deck. And I think we counted 9,000 people right around her. There was a flag from Qatar, from Mexico, from different state flags. Everybody brought their thing. And there we were. For you and me, I ask us this week and rejoice Sunday to rejoice. The battle's won. Christ is conquered. And you and I are being invited by our God to join him in that joyful hope. It's a prudent thing then for us to say to Jesus what the crowd said to John, hey? Well, what do we do? How do I do it? How do I get ready? How do I participate in the hope? How do I increase the joyful hope God offers? And I know I've said this a lot, and I'll say it more, because I'm right, yeah? (laughs) The church is the only thing telling you to hope. It's ironic, she's also giving you a lot of reasons not to hope when we see, (laughs) but don't, let's not go there. But the church is the only institution, I would assume, in your life, telling you to hope. People want you afraid or angry because then you're very easy to control. People want you and I busy. Yeah, the devil can't make us bad, so he makes us busy. And all of those things are diversion tactics, aren't they? There are means that suck the hope out of us because they lock our eyes on our circumstances instead of He who is Lord of our circumstances. So, how do we do it? How do we participate in this hope? Well, John the Baptist tells us three ways that I mean, honestly, more than three, but look at the time, huh? Three ways I think Jesus wants us to participate in His joyful hope and to change our own hearts. Number one, We are generous. This is a requirement of the kingdom of God. That the first thing, when they said, well, what do we do? John says, if you've got two cloaks, you need to give one away. Because there's people without any cloaks. People of God, people who hope, people who want joy are generous. And the second thing is justice. Justice. We are people concerned with justice. And what does justice mean? Right? Because it's been so corrupted by people who want to use us. What does it mean to be just? The church gives us this great, simple definition. Justice means we give each person their due. We give each person their due. Alright. So what does each person do? What are they owed? Well, He told us by his words and example, didn't he? St. Paul put it this way, you have been purchased, and that was the price. So when you say, well, what is my neighbor do? The person sitting next to me, right? What do they do? Well, he said you're due all of his blood and all of his breath. And who are we to tell God he's wrong? that you're not just sitting next to someone you know and love or sitting around people you might kind of know or know well. You are sitting with a child of God, someone for whom God said, I will die for you. And justice is when every person we meet gets that about us, that we don't judge by race, We don't judge by religion. We don't judge by appearance. We don't judge by opinions. Instead, there is a truth that trumps everything about people we talk to. They are children of God for whom He gave up His blood and breath. And to be just means to move and live and even breathe that way. That everyone who walks away from us gets their value. The third thing is honesty, honesty. That people of joyful hope, we are generous, we are just, and we are honest. That means we don't just know the truth, we love the truth, we recognize that the truth is a person, Jesus Christ, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. That the truth is a person. And I tell you, we don't like truth unless it affirms us, so we went ahead and killed him. And we need to understand that the truth of Jesus, the truth in all things matters to us. That we speak the truth. And at the same time, we recognize a balance we need to have that some people love to tell you about, I need to speak the truth. And what they mean is, I need to beat you up. And Jesus is a convenient weapon for me to do that. But the truth is sacred. And we treat the truth as a jewel, not as a bat. That when we are so busy making sure other people know the truth, the truth that actually we already like, we best be careful about the lies we're letting in our own hearts. As uh, St. Paul said in our second reading, quote, your kindness should be known to all. And if people can't say that of us, then we have failed to meet the gospel standard. So, I like joyful hope. That's nice. I could, I could use some. How about you? Well, Jesus is offering it to us, and he's more geeked out about this than you or I could ever be. And until that day, when we are all united in the kingdom of heaven, filled with his love and light, we will be generous. We will pour ourselves out for the poor and the vulnerable. We will be men and women of justice knowing that every human we come into contact with is a child of God, and we will be honest. We will treasure the truth as a precious and beautiful gift that will always, ultimately, set us free. That's how we hope. That's how we embrace that joy. And there's not another way. So may Jesus, in this week, in a special way, Fill us with joyful hope and an abject conviction that he has won. And may we live that truth with generosity, with honesty, and with justice. Amen? Amen.